Welcome back, Power Ballad Friday. You're sort of getting into the spirit, Penny Ashton. Oh, yeah, I love the Power Ballad. I like to unleash a vocal note. Gosh, yeah. Well, what do you need to know about what an anthem? Uh, what person of a particular age did not put heaven on a mixtape to someone that you really, really liked? Huh? I, I love my mixtape. I taped it off the radio off 91 ZM <laughs> and C93 FM C90s. in Christchurch. Good yeah. on you. Yeah. ZM. Mark? Well, that was Brian Adams' big moment, but um, yeah. I'm just trying to. There was, you know, it, the '80s was just power ballad heaven, wasn't it? That's Absolutely. right. That's right. Um, Absolutely. Just a wonderful era. Critics Stuart Mason called that song the power ballad that transcends the inherent cheesiness of the style to become a genuinely effective single. Agreed. And interestingly, <laughs> Brian is very involved in social activism and supports for various humanitarian causes. For example, he often gifts playgrounds to deprived areas through his charity. He's Seems like a top bloke. Yeah, yeah, and that's just one of many things he does. He's, he's heavily involved uh, in humanitarian uh, events across the board, actually. So, yeah, gifting playgrounds. Now, uh, by the way, I do know that singer-songwriter David Crosby also has died of uh, age mm. 81, mm. Uh, and I'm a huge fan, just a massive fan of Crosby, Stills and Nash. Now, Charlotte had been generously supplying the afternoon with great uh, tracks. So we'll sneak in a snippet at the end of the panel. It's 25 to 5, and it's absolutely lovely to have you company this afternoon, uh, as well as Penny Ashton and Mark yeah. Sainsbury. This is fascinating. Many of you who have had teenagers probably know the pain of trying to get them out of bed in the morning and off the school. My father, as an example, would at the age of 15 rip the sheets off me and put the sheets under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And allow a shout. Have you had get, counseling for that, Wallace? <laughs> get the hell up. Get the hell up, right? But. Wow. But I wish it was around to hear this research. Uh, researchers are saying that we should let these teenagers sleep. In an opinion piece published in the New Zealand Medical Journal today, a group of researchers claim that delaying school until at least 9.45 a.m. is a no-brainer because teens have different sleeping habits. They argue with mental health issues and absenteeism on the rise, it is now time for schools to reconsider the idea. With us is leader of the Pediatric Sleep Research Group at the University of Otago, Professor Barbara Gallon. Professor Gallon, welcome to the show. Kia Wonderful uh, and certainly very interesting piece of research here. Tell us, a bit, explain this to us then. How do teenagers' sleeping habits, habits differ from our own? Sure. And first of all, I just want to say that it's an opinion piece. It's not research yet. We're doing the research to, sort of, to, to find out what New Zealanders think about this idea of later school start times. Um, but really, it, it really relates back to the sleep-wake biology of teens, which is really different to their adult or child counterparts. So they really need to go to bed later. It's all linked into the hormone melatonin, our sleep hormone, that changes at puberty. So they really need to go to bed later and then they need to wake up later in the morning. But, of course, school start times put a, a break on that. So they get a whole lot less sleep, and some of them end up being chronically sleep-deprived. Mm. So that's where we're coming from, from a sleep health perspective. So the idea being this kind of pathway, sleep being a pathway to better mental health and well-being for teens. 
What interests me before, uh, Penny, you, you, you jump in, uh, it kind of overtone, over, overturns the tables on received wisdom, is that in a very formative age, uh, we've got to get these kids up at the crack of dawn and get on with the day. Yes, yeah, so we're just not taking into account the, the different sleep. Um, you know, it's just it's, it's been like that obviously for years and years. There's no change, but we're just putting it out there. Um, you know, considering a change, starting the conversation, and we've certainly started the conversation today. You certainly have, <laughs> I, and I'm just seeing my text now. If there's one word, for example, that's coming through, not all of them. One word is molly coddling. Um, <laughs> yeah. Penny, you jump well, in. Well, I was curious because you said some of them end up chronically sleep deprived, but this is something you're suggesting for all teenagers. So, is this maybe like a, a bit of an overreaction to like a smaller group? I don't mean to demean you. No, I'm just curious. Well, I- you know, a lot of teens are sleep deprived. I mean, we about you know fifty percent of any surveys we do, teens are not getting the recommended out yeah. of sleep. Yeah. And I think you need to talk That's to your parents. And also, you can remember yourself as a teenager. You know. Um, yeah, I remember the sleeping in on the Saturday. Like I think I slept until midday a couple of times, and that actually blew my mind. But I thought it was about our growing bodies that we needed to regenerate from the growth. Oh, we certainly need to read the sleep in terms of, um, you know, forming that function in terms yeah. of rest and restoration. Um, but it's also about the daytime functioning, um, you know, able, able to concentrate during the day when kids are going off to school and needing to learn attention to tasks and behaviour, etc. So the downstream effects of that, if you're sleep deprived all the time, impact school success. And that's not just academic success, but oh. it's success at school, you know, all your peer relationships, teacher relationships, coming out of school, um, you know, with a yeah. feeling happy about your schooling. I mean, okay, it's the so same with women in menopause, actually, sleep right. deprived with the same okay. interacting in their workplaces. So uh, I'd love to hear what you think about this uh, uh, by text email. Uh, do you uh, side with this research? Uh, if you have a teenager, let them sleep in a bit longer and maybe let them stay up a bit later. Oh, yes, here they come. Uh, Mark. <laughs> Yeah, but we had the opposite. When I was at high school, we had to go to school on Saturday mornings. Ugh. We had three classes. Yeah, because it was a part, it was a half boarding school, and they had the Wednesday afternoon. No, it was at St. Pat's and well, uh, Wellington, right. and, and uh, here at, at Silverstream, just up the road. Mm. But my kids went to Wellington High School because I, when I saw this, I said, "Hang on, we've been down this road before, haven't we?" Yes. And Wellington High School experimented with this. They thought exactly the same thing: teenagers, their brains aren't working; they need to start later. But I think they ended up dropping it. It was, it was, you know, at the start there was a bit of enthusiasm, but it, it didn't fit in with the schedule. Is there a way of doing it, Barbara? That you know, maybe well, more successfully. Yeah. So, so they they have been doing it since two thousand and six, and we really applaud that. But they have reverted this year. I'm not sure the yeah. exact reasons for that, but I know there's kind of logistical things around timetabling. So yeah. what it did do was disadvantage, and we're talking about years 12 and 13, not younger teens. Yeah. Um, it did disadvantage those who were doing six subjects as, a, as opposed to five. So they had the first period was free. That was the free day, but it was optional too. You know, they could still come to school. Um, but, right. you know, so that's how they did it. Overwhelmingly, teens don't want to finish school later. 
So it does require an adaptation to the timetable. Mm. Yeah, because also like with people that have different age children, then their pick-up and their drop-off and also teachers' hours would be longer. You know, I can see there are limitations to the yes, actual yeah. operational. Yeah, thing. some uh, wonderful uh, some uh, texts coming, including this card, who's saying, uh, does our professor know if the 9.45 a.m. start will apply to those in boot camps? Uh, we don't know that. Um, That's Christopher. Uh, who will drive those little darlings to school at 10 a.m.? Wow. Uh, so there's well, very so yeah, Barbara? We're talking 16 to 17 year olds or even up to 18, 18 years old, mm. 18 years of age. But, you know, this is really what we want to find out. We're actually, we've got surveys up on our Facebook page, which is the Child and Teen Sleep Research Great. Facebook page. And uh, we're asking parents, we're asking teachers, we're doing a lot of uh, research in terms of focus group interviews. We want to hear it from uh, the Voice of New Zealand. Yeah. There is a lot of overseas research from the USA, which is quite different. But it's come across all these barriers. It's also created a, a huge furore. Um, you know, everybody has an opinion on it, and they've had a lot of <laughs> trouble changing things. But actually, their, their timing is quite different. They've changed. Well, they were seven thirty starts, and California has legislated that no senior high school can start before eight thirty. Oh, is that right? Yes. So that's where we're starting at. But our teens are still sleep deprived. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The, and you're taking their needs seriously yeah. rather than just mocking them, which I think is not. Because the backdrop to this, of course, Professor Gallant, is the 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 the, the focus on mental health, especially exactly. amongst this age group in Aotearoa oh. right now. Absolutely, and it's, it's worse after the COVID pandemic. So you know that we are really taking this very seriously. Great. Very good. But Professor Barbara Gallon, really interesting. I kind of want to hear more about that, actually. That's uh, uh, Barbara's the leader of the Paediatric Sleep Research Group at the University of Otago. If you uh, missed out on that, this is an opinion piece published in the New Zealand Medical Journal saying that schools uh, could possibly delay their start till around 9.30, 9.45 because teens have different sleeping habits. Um, and so the, the upshot is leave the teenagers in bed a bit later. Although one person says, uh, or Gav says, rubbish. Oh. They're up on their phones all night. My vampire daughter sleeps in so late, she even missed picking up her sister from school in the afternoon. Oh, oh my word. So there you go. Wow. 5. Blue you screen are and on. blue light. Yeah, it's not going <laughs> to Well, there's things. that as well, yeah. isn't there? Uh, the panel on RNZ National. Well, for something uh, a little bit different now, one man wants to extend a helping hand to youth, helping get them on the right track. And so he's raising funds for Hawke's Bay Rangatahi to get to Outward Bound. We talked a little about Outward Bound last year when the issue of bringing back boot camps hit the headlines for a few days. Outward Bound actually started with a military focus but eventually dropped that aspect of it. The course is credited with helping young women and men turn their lives around. And I tell you something right now, when we talk about Outward Bound, we often get quite a few responses about those who went through it and said, you know what? Best thing I've done. Text me, 2101. Bernie Gunn is on the line. Kia ora, Bernie. Hello, Wallace. Nice to talk to you. Good to have you here. So what are you doing? So uh, I am paddling solo a waka armor from Mahia to Napier, which is about 100 kilometres, and I'm doing that in March. And that's likely to take me 12 to 14 hours. 
And that's a bit of a personal challenge that I decided to take on because and I saw time and time again the benefit people got from pushing themselves out of their comfort zone. And Waka Ama was introduced to Outward Bound in 2016 when I was working there as an instructor and I had a real affinity with it. And I put my affinity with that together with being from Hawke's Bay and um, naturally joined the dots to um, create my own challenge to, to paddle across Hawke Bay um, to get more people to, to Outward Bound. So how many rangatahi are you wanting to um, get on board? Uh, as many as possible, to be honest, but my, my aim that I've set is $63,000, which would uh, fund 14 uh, students from Hawke's Bay to, to get there, and 14 is the, the number of a, of a watch or a, a group um, that goes on a 21 Oh, I see. Outbound course together. Are you, are you just absolutely convinced... Um, maybe because you've seen it, you've witnessed it, the um, effect or the change in people on a course such as this. Explain that aspect for us. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw it time and time again uh, over three-plus years of working there. Have you got a, have you um, got a person uh, or, uh, at the top of your mind you can uh, give, us, give to us an ex- as an example? Definitely. Uh, one young lady whom was on a course I was instructing she had lost a parent to um, you know, drowning at, at sea, which has obviously been in the, the news um, of late. And part of her going on that course was to um, make peace with, with having lost that parent. And uh, whilst we were out sailing um, with, with the group, uh, she found herself mentally in a, in a space where so worried about uh, what had happened in the past that she fainted and, and nearly fell off the uh, off the boat. Um, but her watchmates um, grabbed her before she toppled over, um, and we we pulled them up alongside the launch and had a chat with her to see what was going on. And she she shared all of, all of that that backstory um, and sort of put it to her to you know that's definitely not a, a nice thing to happen um, and. You know, just to to be able to come back to the present to see if she wanted to integrate that and uh, I guess take charge of her life from from now on, so it didn't affect her. And she decided in that moment that she would would captain her her uh, her watch and jump on the the tiller and captain them back to Anakiwa in the boat. So massive turnaround from 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 fainting to captaining the boat. Yeah, that, that almost makes, oh, wow. makes me a bit teary hearing oh, wow. that. Yeah, what that's a story. Yeah, well, beautiful. It made an impression on me. Yeah. Gosh. Ber- Bernie, have you ever come across, because every person I know who has done that course got something extraordinary out of it. I've never heard anyone going, oh, that was useless. I mean, do you, yeah. have you come across anyone who's done the course who didn't get anything out of it? Uh, probably the only examples I have would be people that started early, um, one young guy on a, a, um, a course and he was, wasn't was the maturest of, of the, the group and he himself acknowledged um, before departing that he wasn't yet ready to, to take on the course and, and that he wanted to come back in the future. Uh, to my knowledge, I, I think he actually did a couple of years later. Um, but no, I've, I've definitely run into, I run into people all the time that, that you mentioned out with Bound and um, 
and they'll tell their stories about how much they got out of it, how life-changing it was, and, yeah, it's amazing how many people it's touched. Yeah, it would be like, to me, you know, young youth in trouble would do much better to go on something like this than a boot camp um, to, you know, well, get that collegial... Well, that's why we raised it in terms of the context of actually providing youth some... Um, some constructive output. Constructive output mm. and uh, Outward Bound uh, came up amongst the listeners. For example, Vicky says, look, I had to do Outward Bound twice, once on the disability course, then a standard course in the early 80s, a fantastic life lessons. So what what a story, uh, Bernie. You say you believe in this so much, you want to give back, raise 63K for 14 uh, young people to go on board. So look, how can people help out then and where can they do it? Uh, the best way is to search uh, Just Giving uh, Bernie Gunn. Um, you could search out, Outward Bound as well. Um, the Outward New Zealand Facebook um, and website um, has an article about what I'm doing on it. So just yeah, search up Just Giving Bernie Gunn uh, and any of those avenues should take you to the um, fundraising page. Um, yeah. Can I ask you, back to that person who went on board uh, Outward Bound just to sort of, um, you know, as a response to her parent drowning, you know, um, how, did, how, how did she go on the course? Wonderfully. Um, I remember at the start she was incredibly nervous, especially socially, um, as, as a lot of um, teenagers especially are and, and adults. Uh, and then at the end, as a lot of people do, the um, you know, tears rolling down their faces. They walk off uh, the jetty onto the to the boat back to Picton at the end of the course. Um, and she actually sent me a letter a couple of years later to thank me for that um, t- that talk on the boat, and that she'd had the same talk with herself um, on an OE uh, hiking in the Himalayas with a group of friends, and they got themselves out of a sticky situation. So, um, yeah, she she had a massive. Well done. Good on you, Bernie. Well, well done. So you want to get 63. It's not, you know, it's not an uh, insignificant amount of money. No. So that, that link, just once again before we go, so people can get it. So you can search Just Giving Bernie Gunn, B-E-R-N-I-E-G-U-N-N, and you'll, you'll find it, or on the Outward Bound right. website. Good on you, Bernie. Kia ora. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Wallace, Mark. Uh, so uh, interesting there, yeah, quite a bit of response to, to that as well. I, I'm, I'm a student who did Outward Bound as a 17-year-old. I don't have much to give, but I donate $10 a month because I believe in it oh. so fully. Mm, wow. um, meanwhile, regarding uh, letting teenagers sleep in, Wallace, where's your discipline? Do you want teenagers to become slaves to their biology? No. We want to develop a disciplined nation based on ethics and structure, not laziness and loose boundaries. It's time for this country to wake up and raise our standards rather than lowering them. I mean, the thing is, too, is not everybody's job is nine to five. I don't have a nine to five job. You know, like I've been self-employed for 22 years doing shows at night. So that getting up at that time would add nothing to my life. Yeah, Brian, listen to this. My stepdaughter is a rower and has to be on the water yeah. at 5.15 a.m. four days a week. Yep. Her school, Glendale College, starts later every Wednesday 
It's a tough schedule for the rowers. And my friend was a swimmer yeah. at school and was exactly the same. Five o'clock, five days a week, I think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Dave and David and Jerome Devonport says, I had the doubt we're bound 68. David Gerard, um, uh, age 18, so rewarding. Character building, teamwork, guys from all over NZ. I was privileged to be sponsored by our local business association. Uh, how many cups of flour and Mark Sainsbury's banana bread, please? <laughs> Three cups of self-raising flour. One you, tin. Post it um, on the Facebook can, page. Can you, can you email me um, the Sainsbury banana bread? Because we've got a few responses. Uh, can you email it to me, please, uh, Mark? The three ingredients? I certainly yeah, can. No, I can't remember three ingredients. Email it to me, please. <laughs> now, bananas. Finally. Uh, now, by the way, yeah. you're on the panel, RNZ uh, <laughs> National <the> <laughs> and Penny Ashton and Mark Sainsbury with me. And I was going to say that there is a checkpoint special this afternoon starting on the dot of five. Uh, predominantly regarding around the resignation of Jacinda Ardern and what happens next. Uh, and that is with uh, Lisa Owen. Lisa Owen is back. Finally on the panel, it's a world-first possum study which finds that they learn by watching others and that there are environmental ramifications to this. Over five nights, one group of possums were given a puzzle each, while another group they watched on. At the end of the five days, the possums who watched were given the puzzle. So to tell us what happened is Emma Godfrey, who is a possum researcher uh, in the School of Biological Sciences at the University of Canterbury. Emma, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure, Emma. Really interesting research. So tell us more. What happened next? So just, yeah, essentially you, you described the experiment very beautifully, very shortly. So that you did a good job on that. So that saves me some time. Um, so, yeah, essentially just what we found is that, yeah, we found that those possums that were able to to observe those ones um, solving it themselves. So the first night we gave them the puzzle, every single one of those observing possums cracked the puzzle on that night, on the very first night that they were given the toy, which is, something we weren't weren't quite expecting. They did a lot better, obviously. So there was, yeah, they were a lot quicker to open this puzzle. They did it a lot more deliberately. So there was a lot of behaviours there that suggested that they were learning from those possums that they were watching. And very fast. So basically possums yeah. all over the country are colluding against us, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they could be really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to eat everything and all the baby birds and all the, oh that's it's horrifying it's actually kind of scary it's like well yeah, yeah. It's, it's, our yeah, possum overlords yeah well that's the thing of like you know there perhaps were some people who maybe underestimated just how intelligent they are and I think the cool thing about our study was is, yeah that they they shouldn't be underestimated at all <laughs> <laughs> so so and we're two from here with our possum dictators yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's the thing. So I think we are research because this was part of my master's. So um, obviously I didn't have a lot of time to explore further options with it. But um, from here, really what we want to be testing is are they learning from each other, you know, maybe how to avoid 1080, maybe how to avoid traps. So, you know, if you're a possum watching your neighbour and your neighbour, you know, they only eat a little bit of that poison and they start feeling a bit unwell, do you then think, oh, you know, Barry over there, he ate that poison. Should I then avoid that too so I don't get sick? What about Kevin and Jono? <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know? 
<laughs> All right, Mark. <laughs> Rather well, yeah, try them on banana bread, maybe, Wallace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah but how do you do? We are we saying that they are intelligent, or are we saying that they have some sort of insightfulness? And is there a difference? Oh, I guess it can depend on 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 the person you're asking, but um, I, you know, I think that they're pretty intelligent myself, having worked with them. Um, but yes, they could just have a bit of insight into to things we maybe thought that they didn't. So, yeah, or like mimicry. Um, you know, like certain birds can do that, but that doesn't necessarily mean things. But I don't. It's mm-hmm. funny when I first read this study, I was like, "Oh my word, we, what are we studying now?" But then you actually get, it really does have real life application. Well, the application of that is, uh, I guess, the serious note in, in, in underpinning this, Emma, is that the mm-hmm. the, the damage the possums do to our yeah. wildlife are actually cannot be understated. Huh? Yeah. No, no, it can't. They, they, yes, they're very significant. Um, they're Australians. They're environmental haters and wreckers, aren't they? Yeah, pretty but the Australians <laughs> love them. Yeah, well, I went to a nature yeah. park in Australia, and they were saying, and they're terrible kiwis across the Tasman. Do you know what they do to these beautiful animals? <laughs> yes, well, because they're not a pest there. You know, no, that's right. In New Zealand, they don't have any predators like they do in in Australia, so yep. there's nothing really to keep them in control over here, and that's why right. they just they've spread uh-huh. as much as they Emma, have and cause as much problem. It's a delight yes. to have you on the program. Thank you, and keep up the good work. And thank you very much for having me. Cheers, Emma Got Godfrey. There, uh, a possum researcher at Canterbury University. You'll be hearing more about Emma. I can tell you. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, uh, the um, uh, if you want uh, Mark Sainsbury's moist and wonderful banana bread Uh, it's under under embargo till 10am Monday when I email when I respond to you all email me the panel at rnz.co.nz and I'll give you Mark Sainsbury's banana bread Penny Ashton Mark Sainsbury fantastic thank you to my wonderful producer Charlie Drever brilliant job I'm Wallace Chapman Checkpoint is next back Monday 3.45 kia ora Yeah. Hold the clips as we watch you die.